0: Uh, turn with me and your iPhones now to uh, John 6 and as you turn on your iPhones uh, when they, I was invited to come and speak to y'all they sent me an email explaining the Lenten series and they said and just remember you have 18 minutes and I read the subtext very clearly it was, hey Presbyterian guy we don't have times for your jokes and your stories let's get right to the text so that's what we're doing uh We're gonna read from John 6, uh, verses, I'm gonna read verse 15 and then 25 through 35. And as we're reading this text, this is kind of our question to consider this morning, is how do we get our Christian faith, our identity as a Christian, to be like something that's powerfully working in our life? Because We want Jesus to show up. We pray to Jesus to do things. And a lot of life is feeling like he's not there and he's not doing the things we want him to do. And that's a constant frustration. It feels like he's not there. And so I want to think about that question as we read this text and begin to answer it. This is happening right after he's fed the 5,000. Verse 15 says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Verse 25, they catch up with him. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. They tracked down Jesus after this miracle, fed 5,000 people by producing miraculously producing food. And he says to him, his first words to them is a rebuke. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Don't work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And what he's saying right there, because they did see the sign, right? Is he saying, you have not read the sign. They saw the miracle and Jesus actually ran away. Because they wanted to make him king for all the wrong reasons. They didn't come looking because they wanted Jesus. They came to Jesus because of what they thought they could get from him. They ate the loaves, but they actually failed to see what Jesus was doing in the sign. Miracles are actually called signs, and what signs do is always point to something beyond themselves. And Jesus is frustrated not because they're asking too much, like you're coming to me asking for more bread. He's frustrated with them because they're asking for so little. Please meet my current circumstantial needs. And He's offering them the bread of life, which is Himself. The prize of Christianity is not Jesus sorting out our present circumstantial frustrations. He never promises to do that. He might, he might not. The prize is Jesus himself. They said, give us this bread. Fix this problem. Jesus' response is, I am the bread of life. And then he says, rebuking them and rebuking us, you've seen me and you still don't believe. And we hear Jesus now. If if God had come to us, imagine yourself. If God came to you and said, hey, tomorrow... Here's what I'll offer you. I'll fix everything. I will fix your spouse. I'll fix your kids. I'll fix what you don't like about you. I'll get that difficult person out of your life. I'll I'll give you the admiration of all your peers. Or tomorrow, I'll give you the sure confidence that I will always love you and you'll always be with me. Which one would you choose? Which one are you praying for? I, I listen to young adults in my job, process their relationship with their parents all the time. And, and hear about all kinds of relationships, good and bad. There's two that are interesting that I think help us think about the way we relate to Jesus. There are students um, who come from poverty. Stanford has incredible need-based scholarship. And there are students who come there who don't have any. That have amazing relationships with their parents. Deep, rich relationship with their parents. I also have students who come and they've had Everything, Incredible stuff. Vacation homes, trips around the world, expensive cars, all that kind of stuff. And they don't know their parents at all. And those students hate their parents. And initially, the first reaction is like, oh my gosh, this student has everything. That's so cool. I want everything. And they hate their parents. And the students who have gotten nothing from their parents love them because they know their parents. We're so busy chasing Jesus to fix our circumstances and to give us the stuff because we want cool stuff that we don't even know that what we actually need is love, which is what he offers. Sometimes with students, I ask them, I say, are you asking Jesus for things that we actually already have answers to? So I want a girlfriend and I want to get better grades and I want to feel better. And I'm like, okay, we have billions of dating apps now. Match.com works really well. You just need to work harder to get better grades. And there's actually like dietary changes you can make to feel better. Why are you praying to Jesus for things we already have answers to? What we need from Jesus is life. Something much bigger. And with Jesus, we don't seek him, we just seek his assistance because he gave us bread in the past and we never saw that he was trying to teach us something through that gift. He's saying, I gave your body bread so that you will know and see that the way the body needs food, I give life to your humanity. The knowledge that God loves you, has forgiven you, cares for you, is with you, is for you, smiles over you, is proud of you, wants to speak tenderly to you, and he anticipates eagerly the day that you'll be with him. How do we know that we're not seeking Jesus, but we're actually seeking things from him? I think this is one way we can know are you growing in rest or are you growing in anxiety? One of the hallmarks of life in Jesus is rest. The more you grow in grace and knowledge of God in Jesus is rest. Isaiah says in Isaiah 30, 15, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says: Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And quietness and confidence is your strength. Are you growing in rest? Are you growing in anxiety? Because Isaiah says, you know what repentance a lot of times feels like? It feels like resting. But what are we all going to do tomorrow? We're going to be too afraid to take God up on rest. And we're going to go into life seeking from the circumstances of life things that produce the exact opposite of what Jesus offers us. We'll disconnect ourselves from meaningful rest in relation with God. And we'll actually run toward anxiety. Because we're actually afraid to believe. Jesus' words are scary. You've seen me. I'm right here. And you still don't believe. That's what he tells the crowd. So what do we do? Verse 28, they say, What are we supposed to do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus says this, because our instinct is okay, well, how do I put in place a plan to be more Christian y? And Jesus says, This is the work of God. If you believe in Him who He has sent. Later, He says, I am the bread of life. Who comes to me shall never hunger. Who believes in me shall never thirst. How is our soul satisfied? How do we find rest? How do we find unanxious assurance that you're known and loved? Believe in Jesus. Trust his words. Trust his promises. Trust in what he's done. You speak his words. And we need to speak his words to each other against all the lies that we're tempted to believe. Now, sometimes, especially in Stanford, but I think all of us are irked by the exclusive claims of Christianity. Right, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in me. We're irked, maybe at times, that the Bible saying Jesus is the only way that leaves out a lot of people. And it causes us to think, the problem with that thinking is, what we think is, eternal life, full life is a theme park over here. And there's a bunch of doors, but only one of them opens to the theme park, and you've got to find the right door, it's Jesus, it's not the other religions. And if that's the way we think about it, we've really misunderstood Christianity. Because Jesus is not saying, life is over there, and you've got to find the right door to get over there. What does Jesus say? He says, I am life. The reason there's no eternal life apart from him is because he is life. He's not trying to admit you into a place. He wants you, and he wants you to know him. Heaven is not as much about a place as it is about who you're with. Which actually means that we can actually begin to experience everlasting life now. That's why Paul says of his own experience now in this life in 2 Corinthians 4, my outer self is wasting away but my inner self is being renewed day by day. Life everlasting seeps into our souls now. So how do we get to a place from this simply being a nice idea to an Governing and experienced truth in our lives, and Jesus gives us that frustrating answer: Believe. We can't experience the richness of being loved by God without knowing Him. Life is not getting stuff from God, but knowing that you're loved by God. Here's this is a silly example, but here's what I mean. Let's say my wife and I both get a, a package in the mail on the same day, and we both get Apple watches. This is silly. Follow me. Mine is from. Unnamed, big business, sweepstakes, reward, whatever. Apple Watch. I open it, I'm like, oh, it's cool. Apple Watch, we'll see. She gets one, and it comes with a note. And the note says, I love you, and I'm thinking of you. I'm so proud of you as my daughter, and I count the days to seeing you again. Love, Dad. Which one of us is filled up? See, it's not about good things. Good things are fine. They're good. It's about knowing the one who gives good things. Apple watches disappear over time. The good things in this life fade. The manna from heaven, the food for the 5,000, Apple watches fade, fall apart. I got a watch out of the deal. She got life. By reading and believing that those were her father's words. She got the sure and sweet knowledge that now sits deep in her heart, my daddy loves me. And that sure knowledge over time transforms her and makes her more secure and unanxious and loving person. You can't experience life unless you believe those stories down to your heart. So how do we believe? That's a tough question. Jesus says, you see me and you don't believe. And what we find out is that not only do we need Jesus for life, I need Jesus in order to believe in him, in order to get life. And I think the prayer of faith is the prayer of Luke nine twenty four: I believe, help my unbelief. We even need Jesus to give us belief, and he does. Jesus asks the disciples at the end of this encounter, later in chapter 6, And he says, will you go away as well? Because people struggled with what Jesus said. And Peter says, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Belief, if you want to know what it will feel like, it will always feel like there's nothing left to do but give your heart and your mind to Jesus, to hearing his words. Because you'll need to know what he says. Because you realize what he has done gives us Life, that his death is our life, and you realize I need him every day. And you realize that you could never stop exploring the contours of what he's done and what he is doing because he loves you. And what happens is rest starts to creep down into your soul. And rest is not simply ceasing from activity, it is the filling up of our hearts with Christ. And that is life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are life. We thank you that you don't even allow us to find life in anything else. And that you allow us to go hungry so that we know we can only find ourselves satisfied in you. We want to believe. Help us in our unbelief. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.